Welcome back to Berean's Corner. Thank you for joining me wherever you may be. Open your Bible to Exodus 23. The title of today's lesson is Sundry Laws. Exodus 23. And let's read. Exodus 23. Do not spread false reports. Do not help a wicked man by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd, and do not show favoritism to a poor man in his lawsuit. If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to take it back to him. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you fallen down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure you help him with it. Do not deny justice to your poor people in their lawsuits. Have nothing to do with a false charge, and do not put an innocent or honest person to death, for I will not acquit the guilty. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds those who see, and twists the words of the righteous. Do not oppress an alien. You yourself know how it feels to be aliens, because you were aliens in Egypt. For six years you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what they leave. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the slave born in your household and the alien as well may be refreshed. Be careful to do everything I have said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods. Do not let them be heard on your lips. Three times a year you are to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days. Eat bread made without yeast, as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Abib, for in that month you came out of Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Celebrate the Feast of Harvest with the first fruit of the crops you sow in your field. Celebrate the Feast of Ingathering at the end of the year, when you gather in your crops from the field. Three times a year all the men are to appear before the Sovereign Lord. Do not offer the blood of a sacrifice to me along with anything containing yeast. The fat of my festival offerings must not be kept until morning. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion, since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies, and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. 
I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year, because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out before you, until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the desert to the river. I will hand over to you the people who live in the land, and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land, or they will cause you to sin against me, because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. Open your Bible to Exodus 23. Now this chapter is a continuation from chapter 22 as the Lord has given more laws to Moses. Now the Lord says, do not be a false witness. We see this in verses 1, 2, 3. Notice verse 1. You shall not bear a false, a false report. Do not join your hand with a wicked man to be malicious witness. You shall not follow a multitude in doing evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after a multitude in order to pervert justice, nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his dispute. We see here that the Lord wants his people to be honorable and being a false witness is not honorable in the eyes of the Lord. Next, we see how you are to handle your enemy's donkey. Look at verses four and five. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey wandering away, you shall surely return it to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying helpless under its load, you shall refrain from leaving it to him. You shall surely release it from him. I'm sorry, I should say it with him. So we see that the Lord is giving you an idea of how to treat animals. If you see a donkey and his load is on him and he's struggling, you're not supposed to look at the man and say, Oh, I hate that man. I'm going to keep on moving. No, you ought to go over there, put your pride and your personal feelings aside and help him out and get his donkey out from under his load. Now, next, we see that God points out what is just. Look at verse six. You shall not pervert the justice due to your needy brother in his dispute. Keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent or the righteous for I will not acquit the guilty. And you shall not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of the just. You shall not oppress a stranger, since you yourselves know the feelings of a stranger, for you also were strangers in the land of Egypt. Pretty straight to the point there. Now, we see four points here. Point number one, don't pervert justice because someone is needy. Verse six. You shall not pervert the justice due to your needy brother in his dispute. Second point, stay away for, for, uh, from a false charge. Verse 7, keep far from a false charge. The third point, do not take a bribe. Look at verse 8. You shall not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of the just. Point number 4, do not oppress a stranger. You shall not, verse 9, you shall not oppress a stranger since you yourselves know the feelings of a stranger. For you 
also were strangers in the land of Egypt. Now, I like to point out that the Lord says that you shall not oppress a stranger. I have made this point before, but it is very interesting that there are people out here who claim that their ancestors go back to this land. And if that's the case, that means that their ancestors would have been strangers in this land. Yet and still, they feel like in the 20th and the 21st century or in a thousand year reign that they are going to get a chance to oppress strangers. When the Lord made it very clear, you know, the feelings of a stranger because you yourself were strangers in Egypt. The Lord does not want you to do on to those people as, as, as they did to you. He doesn't want you to oppress someone coming into your town because he wants you to remember what it was like when you were in that situation. Next, we will look at the Sabbath and the land. Notice verses 13, I'm sorry, 10 to 13. You shall sow your land for six years and gather in its yield. But on the seventh year, you shall let it rest and lie fallow, so that the needy of your people may eat. And whatever they leave, the beasts of the field may eat. You are to do the same with your vineyards and your olive grove. Six days you are to do your work, but on the seventh day you shall cease from the labors in order that your ox and your donkey may rest and the son of your female slave as well as your stranger may refresh themselves. Now, concerning everything which I have said to you, be on your guard and do not mention the name of other gods, nor let them be heard from your mouth. Okay, now there are six points that the Lord makes here. Point number one. You shall work your field for only six years. Look at verse 10 again. You shall sow your land for six years. Number two, point number two. You were to let your field rest on the seventh year. Look at verse 11. But on the seventh year, you shall let it rest. Point three. One of the reasons for letting your field rest was so the needy, and animals could eat. Okay, let's look at verse 11. Let it lie, lay follow so that the needy of your people may eat and whatever they leave, the beasts of the field may eat. Okay, so I'm sorry, point four. They are to do the same with their olive groves and vineyards. Look at verse 11. You are to do the same with your vineyards and your olive groves. Now. Now, we should note that there is no rule that says you have to rest all your fields in the same year. OK, let's say you have two fields. You start plowing one field in year one and field two in year two. When you got to the seventh year, you would rest field one, but you could still work field two. Then when you got to year eight, you would rest field two and pick back up on field one. So the point of me bringing this up is, is that this is a question that I have always had and wondered like, okay, well, I'm confused. What did the Lord meant mean when he said that you should let your field rest on the seventh year? You should work it for six years from the seventh year. You should let the ground rest and replenish yourself. Well, it, may, it makes a, a lot of sense here because I was I used to think like, well, if you do that, then they would have no food to eat for the following harvest season. But that's not true. Like I just said in my example, if you have two fields, 
you work one field year one, you start year uh you start the second field in year two. That way, when you get to the seventh year and the first field needs to rest, you can still work field two. That way, you can still have food for your harvest. Number five, point number five, the people and the animals needed a day of rest. Look at verse 12. Six days you are to do your work, but on the seventh day you shall cease from labor in order that your ox and your donkey may rest. And the son of your female slave as well as your stranger may refresh themselves. It is very important for your body, whether you be human or beast, to get a full day of rejuvenation. That's why, even though sometimes we do it, I'm guilty of it myself, we have worked seven days. Well, you really shouldn't work seven days. You really should work five or six days and to give your body that time to refresh yourself from work. And then you can go back in at the beginning of the next week and get back at it refreshed. Point number six, do not even mention false gods. Verse 13. Now concerning everything which I have said to you, be on your guard and do not mention the name of other gods, nor let them be heard from, from your mouth. Now our God wants us to reflect on him, period. And that's what that was about. Next, we look at the three national feasts God commanded. Notice verses 14 through 19 three times a year you shall celebrate a feast to me you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread for seven days you are to eat unleavened bread as i commanded you at the appointed time at the month of abed for in it you came out of egypt and none shall appear before me empty-handed also you shall observe the feast of the harvest of the first fruit of your labors from what you sow in the field also, the feast of the end gathering at the end of the year when you gather in the fruit of your labors from the field. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor is the fat of my feast to remain overnight until morning. You shall bring the choice first fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God. You are not to boil a kid in the milk of his mother. Now, there are five points that I want to make here. Point number one, they were to celebrate these feasts three times a year. Look at verse 14. Three times a year, you shall celebrate a feast to me. Point number two, the, the first was the feast of unleavened bread. We see that in verse 15. You shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. Point number three, Israel was to observe this for seven days. Notice verse 15. For seven days you are to eat unleavened bread. Point number four. The second was the feast of the harvest of the first fruits. Look at verse 16. You shall observe the feast of the harvest of the first fruits of your labors from the soil in the field. This was, uh, this was from what they sold in the field. Point number five. The third was the feast of the end gathering. Look at verse 16. Also the feast of the end gathering at the end of the year. Now. Next we see the males are to appear before the Lord. Look at verse 17. Three times a year all the males shall appear before the Lord. Before the Lord God. We see that the Lord does not want blood mixed with the 
leavened bread. Look at verse 18. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread. Next, we see the Lord wants your best. Verse 19. You shall bring the choice first fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God. Next, we see the Lord doesn't want Israel practicing any pagan rituals. Look at verse look at verse 19. You are not to boil a kid in the milk of his mother. Now, why was this a, a pagan ritual? This was a Canaanite practice that God did not want Israel. You uh, did not want Israel using and practicing. Let me read you something that a Bible expositor said about this. There was a Canaanite fertility practice that invented some religious ritual that they thought would make things more productive for harvest. And this was one of those practices. The legend was, if you mix the mother's milk in with the goat being boiled, you would be guaranteed a better harvest. So as you can see, this was a Canaanite practice and the Lord did not want his people practicing anything from the pagans. Next, we see the conquest of the land. Notice verses 20 through 23. Behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Be on your guard before him and obey his voice. Do not be rebellious towards him, for he will not pardon your transgressions since my name is in him. But if you will obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites. The Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will completely destroy them. Now, when the Lord said, I am going to send an angel before you, notice he said the angel was going to go before them. He didn't say the angel would, would be by their side. He said he would go before them. And who is this angel? None other than the angel of the Lord. We also see that the Lord is going to protect Israel and destroy her enemies if she obeys his voice. Look at verse 23 again. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will completely destroy them. So the Lord is definitely going to protect Israel along the way. Now, next we see they are told not to worship false gods. Look at verse 24. You should not worship their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their deeds, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their sacred pillars into pieces. God has mentioned this several times to Israel so they would get the point. Now the Lord tells the people that he will do for them what he will do for them if they obey. Let's look at verses 25 through 33. But you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and I will remove sickness from your midst. There shall be no miscarrying or bearing in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion all the people among whom you come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets ahead of you. And they may drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites and the Hittites before you. I will not drive them out before you in a single year that the land may not become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. I will drive them out before you little by little. Until you become fruitful and take possession of the land. And I will fix your boundaries from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines. And from the wilderness to the river Euphrates. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand. And you will drive them out 
before you. You shall make no covenant with them or with their gods. They shall not live in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Now, there are eight things God would bless if Israel would obey him. Number one, they would have plenty of food and drink. Look at verse 25. The Lord your God, he will bless your bread and your water. Number two, he will remove sickness. Verse 25, I will remove sickness from your midst. Number three, they shall not miscarry. Notice verse 26. There shall be no miscarrying or bearing or bearing in your land. So the Lord is saying, you know, a lot of times we know that families in this time, the women would miscarry babies. And that's a very sad thing. They can't build onto their family. But the Lord said, if they obey him, he's going to bless them. And these things won't happen. Number four. They will not be barren. Look at verse 26. Miscarry or barren. Number five. Their days will be fulfilled. And verse 26 says, I will fulfill the number of your days. Number six, God will confuse Israel's enemies. Notice verse 27. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion all the people among whom you come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. Number seven, God will send hornets before Israel to destroy little by little. Let's look at verses 28 through 30 again. I will send hornets ahead of you that they may drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, the hit and the hit. Uh, I'm sorry. And the Hittites before you. I will not drive them out before you in a single year that the land may not become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. I will drive them out before you little by little until you become fruitful and take possession of the land. Now, why little by little? Because if the hornets were released all at once, the whole land would be wiped out and Israel would have to start from scratch. See, God wanted his people to walk into this new land already blessed the same way he does for us when we obey his word. You know, when you get that new promotion and the Lord, the Lord wants you, he wants you walk into an office that's already furnished and the supplies are intact. He wants you ready to go. The Lord usually is not going to send you into the office that's barren just from the from the ground up he wants you to walk in take it in already be relaxed satisfied ready to go now of course you can have your own ideas of how you want to decorate things but he wants you to walk in ready to go this is what he wanted for israel he didn't want israel to go into a land where all of the fruits and vegetables all the greenery on the trees were gone because the hornets went ahead and took everything out. He did it little by little so it would so it would replenish and they could walk into the land already blessed. Number eight. God will give Israel the whole land promised to Abraham. Look at verse 31. I will fix your boundary from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the river Euphrates. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you will drive them out before you. Now. Where's this land God promised to Israel? When you look at a map, you will see boundary lines that runs east across central Saudi Arabia to the farthest out southeast corner of Iraq. Then it goes north through Iraq into Syria, through central Syria, into the southern middle part of Turkey. Then 
you go southwest from Turkey into the uh, into the water into Africa where you go south down the eastern edge of Egypt then east across the sea back into Saudi Arabia see we see that some of the modern day country now uh, we see some of the modern day countries that Israel will possess so if what I'm saying is is if you look at a map these are some of the modern day countries that Israel will possess when they get their land Saudi Arabia Kuwait Iraq Syria Turkey Egypt Israel and Jordan now we know Israel has never possessed all this land but will in the future be got because God always keeps his promises see remember if you know where uh, most of Israel is today they're in that little piece of land in the Middle East the size of New Jersey in the United States but if you listen to the boundaries that I just gave you and follow it for yourself you will see that the land is huge that he promised them last we see why God does not want Israel's enemies in the land with them. Look at verse 33. They shall not live in your land. Lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. The Lord knows that this is a very finicky people who will go with the wind, you know. So he wants to be sure all the enemies are removed before they arrive. So they won't be tempted to worship false deities. See, even though the Lord has done miracles for them and they see these miracles with their own eyes, the Lord knows his people. And he knows that if he leaves some people in the land, that it may tempt his people who are getting ready to come into the land. Well, that brings us to the end of Exodus chapter 23. That's all for now. God bless. There's a train a coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the dealers humming. Don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord.